to Remember Twilight, a literary podcast covering all aspects of the Twilight Saga. On Remember Twilight, we talk about all things openly. Mental health, relationships, sex, religion, fashion. We also understand that there are conversations that will come up that we might not be able to do justice. We want to include as much diversity as we can, so if you'd like to share your perspective with our audience, please message us. Oh, and fair warning, we are not spoiler-free. My heart took off, beating like helicopter blades. The sound almost a single sustained note. It felt like it would grind through my ribs. The fire flared up in the center of my chest, sucking the last remnants of the flames from the rest of my body to fuel the most scorching blaze yet. The pain was enough to stun me, to break through my iron grip on the stake. My back arched, bowed as if the fire was dragging me upward by my heart. I allowed no other piece of my body to break rank as my torso slumped back to the table. It became a battle inside me, my sprinting heart racing against the attacking fire. Both were losing. The fire was doomed, having consumed everything that was combustible. My heart galloped toward its last beat. The fire constricted, concentrating inside that one remaining human organ with a final, unbearable surge. The surge was answered by a deep, hollow-sounding thud. My heart stuttered twice and then thudded quietly again just once more. There was no sound, no breathing, not even mine. For a moment, the absence of pain was all I could comprehend. And then I opened my eyes and gazed above me in wonder. Everybody, I have a very exciting and important and cool update for you guys today. If you are unaware, we have updated our Patreon and added a couple new tiers, one of them being a merch tier. Ooh. <laughs> very exciting. And our first release will be coming out for March. So if you're on our social media or in the Patreon already, you've seen the things it's very fun. They're very cute. If you are completely unaware, please go to Instagram or Patreon and join. 
If you want these, they're only going to be available for our patrons. After that, they'll be in the shop, but in different forms and not as exciting. Still exciting, but not as. So run, don't walk. I agree. Good job. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Well, hello, everybody. Hi, everyone. My name is Marin. My name is Emily. And we are Remember Remember Twilight. Twilight. Back in your feed. Back in your feed, back in your ears, hopefully still in your hearts. (laughs) Back in black, too, also. You know what I mean? Yes. (laughs) I don't. More of a pink day for us, actually. I know. Emily has a very pink lip and um, cheek, and I have a very pink shirt. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. (laughs) And Emily has pink hair, for sure, but that's old news. Well, welcome everybody back to Remember Breaking Dawn. On this week's episode of Remember Breaking Dawn, we are starting book three of Breaking Dawn. How many times can I say Breaking Dawn in this episode? At least five more. I hope so. I'm very, very excited about this. I love being in Bella's head. Vampire Bella is peak Bella, favorite Bella. Happiest Bella. Funniest Bella. So hilarious. <laughs> there is a little quote from the book Empire by Orson Scott Card um, before this chapter starts. It says, personal affection is a luxury you can have only after all your enemies are eliminated. Whoa. Until then, everyone you love is a hostage, sapping your courage and corrupting your judgment. <gasps> so get rid of everybody you love? We really went strong here with the, if it wasn't for Renesme, my life would be perfect. <laughs> oh my gosh. And then we have a preface. Um, and I think I'll just go ahead and, well, do you want to read it? I, I read a whole thing. Oh. But um, we guess we don't have to read it. But <laughs> we can tell you about it, I suppose. Mm-hmm. I didn't highlight any of it. And um, Basically, we're getting a flash forward into the big battle of the book (laughs) which still is yet to come it wasn't jacob black (laughs) chapters (laughs) believe it or not uh we really did fight through those though (laughs) you know what i mean it was a time uh what we're really looking into is a line of black in a forest and bella being like oh no we're all gonna die because there's too many people and there's not enough of us and she calls them out by name that's the volturi you guys they are not a goth diamond anymore (laughs) they are a goth line they're a goth line yeah. for some reason. And it's curving. It's and line. that's scary. When the line starts to curve, you know it's never going to reach the axis. But it gets really close. <laughs> Why am I making math jokes? Emily, this is not a math um, <laughs> podcast, but, you know, I support you. Thank you. Um <laughs> And first, Bella is afraid. And then Bella is like, you know what? Bring it on. I'm ready. Everyone else is ready. I have teeth. I can growl now. And it's the first time that she actually gets to use her vampire powers. Mm -hmm. She doesn't actually, but uh, she feels like she might. Here's my note on this. Okay. And I know it's not true because we read the chapter and obviously it's not happening. But when I first read it, not remembering exactly what Bella was doing in chapter 19, I was like, as she's becoming a vampire, is this like a dream that she's having? And at first it's a human dream. And so she's scared. And then the venom like gets to her brain and changes her like vision. And suddenly she's like, no, I'm powerful. Ooh, I like that. That's a She's cool not actually dreaming. But that's what I feel. Yeah, no, I like that a lot. That's cool. Thank you. Mm-hmm. 
Okay, so now we get into chapter 19, burning. Basically, this whole chapter is just Bella being like, everything sucks and hurts. <laughs> it's true, it's true. And only gets suckier and hurtier as time goes on. But we now get to kind of rewind a little bit back into what Jacob told us about and see it from Bella's point of view, which is great. It is really cool. It's, it is, it's cool. It's a cool like literary device to be like, you saw it from this one person's point of view, but now you're going to see it from your main character's point of view. Ugh, it's cool. It's really mm-hmm, good. Mm-hmm. Bella is in so much pain that she doesn't know how to deal with it mentally or physically. And she says she keeps trying to just ignore it in true Bella fashion, but it's so much so that she can't ignore it. Uh, and she doesn't really know how time is moving. So she's like, this could have been one second or like 10 minutes she's just doesn't know when I read this I was like "Ooh, this kind of is what it feels like when you're drugged like when you're when you're under some sort of anesthetic or you're taking like recreational drugs for fun sometimes you get a little too high where you're just like oh did like a half an hour just pass and I didn't even know or you know stuff like that and so then I started thinking to myself, she's talking about how her brain keeps going from like a state of blackness and nothingness to a state of intense feeling and pain and sensation. And I know that in this whole chapter, she spends a lot of time talking about how it's the morphine. It's the morphine. It's definitely the morphine. But I, I don't know if that is Stephanie Meyer telling us that it's the morphine period or because we're seeing it from Bella's point of view, she doesn't understand because I also feel like maybe it's part of the shield power that she has. I don't know. And so I can't like be like, this is her shield. This is blah, blah, blah. And I know I do that a lot, but I can't I can't do it this time because I honestly am a little bit confused. Carlisle thinks it might be the morphine. Everybody's kind of like on that side of the argument, but I really want to feel like it's also something else. It's also like Bella's power to be able to withstand the pain and to dissociate like she's a big time compartmentalizer you know stick it in a drawer well and if if her shield is there to protect her mentally from any thing that's happening to her that makes sense to me Mm -hmm. that it's like it's too much now like boop Absolutely. Absolutely. And Mm -hmm. because she was prepared for pain, unlike anybody else who's ever been changed into a vampire, she is able to very (laughs) practicedly go from state to state, Mm -hmm. even though she doesn't know that she's consciously doing it. I don't know. I just felt like that. And it might I might be totally off base, but it feels right to me. Yeah. Okay. so like you said, Bella kind of separates her burning chapter into two states of consciousness. One is like a it was too much and I passed out and it just nothing (laughs) is anything. And the other one is I am so intensely aware of everything that is happening to me and it is all very great. (laughs) Too much. (laughs) Yeah. So she she calls them reality and non-reality. And so her non-reality is when everything goes black and it doesn't really hurt reality she says is red and it feels like every bad thing that could happen to your body all happening at one time and she said a lot of bad things happen to her body she really knows yeah she says that reality is is like feeling her body it's knowing knowing that there's a like a reason to this and there's a something that's more important than all the pain and it's also be like not being able to remember what that thing was 
And then she tells us that it all happened very fast. (laughs) So now we get our recap of of the last chapter from Bella's POV. And she's like, there I was. Everything was great. Everyone I loved was there. I was doing my thing. And then the freaking cup fell. (laughs) And even though I saw 28 hands reach for it, I still did it automatically. And then... Everything went bad. So there we were. (laughs) It was a regular Tuesday. And then, oops, something inside her went the wrong way. And then she calls it ripping, breaking agony. She says that she couldn't breathe, but it was different than the time that she drowned. (laughs) (laughs) Interesting, though, for her to compare that. When she drowned, the water was freezing. It was going into her lungs. This is a drowning of, like... Blood is coming out of her body and going into her lungs and she can't. Yeah, it's still a non-breathing, <laughs> but it's like very much the opposite the of drowning opposite. in the ocean. Yeah. She feels terrible and then everything goes to black, but she can still hear someone screaming, the placenta. <laughs> and she's like, oh no, I know what that means. It means that my baby is dying. So she comes to enough to tell Edward, get him out. And Edward's like, but honey, we need to give you your epidural. And Bella's like, <laughs> fuck your epidural. <laughs> Get him out now. And then she tries to like protect her baby. She doesn't know what's happening. Pain is coming and going still. Um, she wants to feel the pain, though, because that's the only way she's kind of aware what's happening in her body. When that leaves, she she just doesn't have any idea of what's happening to her. But she can't hang on to it. She goes numb as she says she can't see anything she can't feel anything but she's still listening to what's going on around her so we cut to um someone screaming at her to stay with her and she's like oh that's jacob (laughs) of course jacob's screaming at me right now Um, she tries to like talk back to him and be like duh like that's the whole reason that we're all doing this is because i said i could i can keep my heart beating and then she tries to feel where her heart is, but she can't. And she's like, I don't feel any of the things that I should be feeling right now. And so she's like, maybe I can look. So she blinks a couple times and she finds a light. At this point, the baby is out. I think this is so interesting. When we see it from Jacob's point of view, it is crystal clear what's happening. She's being swooped up to the room. She's being laid down. She's being cut into. She's There's a fight that happens. I mean, we see everything that's happening. Now, I've never had a life-threatening or even traumatic accident. Like, one time I broke my toe. That's <laughs> it. That's the worst that's ever happened to me physically. And so, I don't know what it's like, but I love to see this where she has no idea what's happening. And I think that that's probably accurate for somebody yeah. who has had a traumatic injury, where it's like people just start doing things to you and then You wake up in the hospital three days later. Well, and it's I think it's especially good for Bella because she would be trying to micromanage everything that is going on around her. So for her to just kind of be an extra person (laughs) here, I think is is good because she would have tried too hard to like make sure everyone else was okay. Well, and from what I've seen from Grey's Anatomy, our brains do kind of turn off to protect ourselves. So Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. good job, Stephanie. Yes. So next we just hear Edward whispering Renesme and she's like, excuse me, I don't get my perfect little boy. (laughs) She does have one in her. And then she's like, never mind. I love Renesme. Renesme's the best. Oh my gosh. <laughs> she reaches out for her, asks Edward to give her 
the baby. And the coolest thing that I learned about Edward is when he's covered in blood and in the sun, he glows red. <laughs> that is a cool so thing. So if you wrap the Cullens in different colored cellophane and set them outside, it's like a <laughs> disco party. Really Fun. cool. So Edward, as we know, puts Renesmee in Bella's arms, but she can't. she's not strong enough to actually hold her. And Bella tells us that Renesmee's skin is as hot as Jacob's. Interesting. <laughs> and now that she has her baby, she snaps 100% back into non-reality. Right. Yeah. Awareness. Right? Yes. Maybe. <laughs> she tells us that Renesmee doesn't cry, but she's like kind of panting. Do babies pant? Babies do pant. Interesting. Mm-hmm. They have like a little, they have a really shallow breathing. It scares a lot of brand new moms because it's like this like shallow ch- like belly breathing. It's kind of, it's freaky. Interesting. <laughs> her eyes are open. Her head is perfectly round. She looks so shocked, Bella says. <laughs> and she has lots and lots of curls. And her eyes are the same color as Bella's eyes were. They're chocolate brown, which is surprising to Bella. And then she says that she's very pale except for her cheeks, which are very rosy. And she says that her face was so perfect and that she's even more beautiful than Edward. <laughs> Rude. Cool, Bella. <laughs> That's okay, because later Edward just straight up tells Renesmee that Bella's more beautiful than her. So <laughs> these guys these are guys. weird. They're so weird. Uh, she tells Renesmee that she's so beautiful, and Renesmee smiles up at her. Um, what she has? A don't full... don't say it. Please don't say it. Listen to these words no. used. <laughs> Marin has to unplug, but I'll tell you guys. <laughs> Her behind her lips were a full complement of snowy milk teeth. No, I don't like it. Can I erase it? What is a milk tooth? So your milk teeth are your baby teeth. Oh. They're called you guys want to know a fact? They're yes. called milk teeth because back in the day before humans had houses and restaurants and processed food and everything, most mothers would nurse their babies until their teeth started falling out like four or five because it was the most nutritious food that their babies could have mm-hmm. that's why they're called milk teeth weird <laughs> and then once their teeth start falling out it's like biologically they just stop nursing and their moms are like go away you're big enough to stop nursing now <laughs> no no non-milk teeth allowed. exactly we had no grown-up teeth on these nips yeah Mm-mm, go away <laughs> at least not yours right know what i mean <laughs> <laughs> Cool. So Renesmee goes to nurse and Bella notes that like while her skin is warm and soft, it's not as like supple as hers is. It's like her skin's a little bit harder than Bella's. I had never realized that before. Renesmee's a kid you could drop and she'd be just fine, you know? <laughs> she <laughs> She's would <hard>. not break. <laughs> it's weird. And then Bella feels just a little tiny bit of pain and she doesn't even register what it is. She just knows that some her baby is gone now. And she can't see her. And she can't feel her. And she wants to tell whoever took her baby to give it back. But she can't. She says that her arms feel like empty rubber hoses. Very <laughs> Harry Potter of her. <laughs> she needs some Skelligrow. She really does. She says that um, they felt like that. And then they felt like nothing. And she couldn't feel them. And she couldn't feel herself. So then we go back to the blackness. (laughs) The only thing I can picture is like Alice trying to shove her 
rubbery arms into her new dress <laughs> the way that Ron had to shove Harry's arm into his jacket. You're right. They do share that experience. <laughs> I feel like it was much easier for Alice than Ron, but I agree. they both managed. <laughs> she says that the blackness is like a thick blindfold. Um, covering not just her eyes, but also herself with a crushing weight. So even the blackness is not uh, complete nothingness. It is just lack of of awareness, I guess. And because it still feels like something, it just doesn't feel like so much pain. Now is the time where Bella gets real dark. And she tells us that if it was only for herself that she needed to keep going, she wouldn't have done it. She calls back to what Jacob says about how she has been trying to keep up with the supernatural for too long. But then she does still know that it's not just about her. And she thinks to herself that if she does the easy thing now and just lets the blackness erase her that it would hurt other people there's a lot to this there's a lot to unpack about this and I have a lot of feelings about this let's talk about them I'm hesitant to say the wrong thing uh I can always just edit stuff out a bad spot that's true people might be hurting and this might be very relevant to how they're feeling yeah so I see your hesitation I get that I guess I want to say the first thing is that if it is someone else who makes you feel like you need to stay, that's probably a good first place to start. Uh, yeah. Is no, realizing I totally agree. that life is about more than yourself and your actions do impact other people. Yeah. Uh, it's it's so hard. It's so hard to talk about this uh, for fear of dragging somebody into a darker <laughs> spot than they already were. But I think that a lot of people, the reason that they do come back is because of a loved one, mm-hmm. whether a child or a partner or a sibling or something who they know that if they left that person, that then that person might feel the same way that they do. I know. And I love, I think that's beautiful. I think it's so beautiful. Um, also very terrifying sometimes when you feel like you might be that person that the other person is like hanging on for. That's a lot of pressure, mm-hmm. but I think it's beautiful that we can be there for each other and we can have these kind of deep relationships that keep each other around. It's so sad, though, and it's so scary. Yeah, I guess I'll just say that even though it feels like there's only that other person holding you here, there is more than that. And you just don't realize it. Always, always, always. There's hundreds of people who would be impacted if you left. Like if Bella had left, it wouldn't have just been Renesmee or Edward who would have suffered. It would have been. Everybody, and we saw that in Life and Death, when Bo did die, and he had to watch his own funeral happen, and, you know, it's it's really amazing. Like, that's one of the things, the beautiful things about these books, is that we get to, we get to feel these things and see these things, and I think on our, upon first reading, it's, it's more fluffy, but on, like, a deeper podcast type of reading of this, it's like, how did we even have this conversation? Yeah. Like, that's a hard conversation to have in just, like, a light-hearted podcast yeah (laughs) all I'll say is keep reading through this chapter and see where Bella ends up and all the things that she gets to experience because she chose to hold on to those people and realize that even without them she is still worth I'm crying that's beautiful (laughs) that's beautiful okay so she thinks about Edward and how they are kind of really really intertwined now and how if he left she wouldn't be able to keep going And if she left, he wouldn't be able to keep going. And she's like, well, obviously, (laughs) Edward still has to live. So therefore, I do too. (laughs) 
And then she talks about Jacob, and I just, I'm not ready to care about him yet, so I just (laughs) skipped over that. But she also cares about Jacob. Bella, throughout all of this, just keeps pushing back against her blackness. And it's not like she was trying to get out of it. Um, She just was trying to resist it. And I think it's interesting she says it's almost a reflex, and that really got me because I was like, I think that that is a human instinct to fight against death to fight against it like when we feel like we're gonna die it's like no I will hold on so yeah that is interesting yeah and then she tells us that this is the pattern of her life is to endure and then to survive she's like (laughs) it had been enough up to this point I would have to be it would have to be enough today I would endure this until help came which is true she's been through shit Mm -hmm. she has almost died not once, not even twice. And there's always help has always come. So she knows. Mm-hmm. Wait, I know this. I recognize this. I'll hold on until help comes because yep. my help is right there. Yeah. And she says, I knew Edward would be doing everything he could. He would not give up. Neither would I. And then she goes, I held the blackness of non-existence at bay by inches. It wasn't enough, though, that determination. As time keeps going and everything is still dark, she needs something else to do. Um, She can't picture Edward. She can't picture Jacob or Alice or any of the other people she loves. And she starts to think like, oh, no, maybe I let it go on too long. And she's like, I I can't find myself. I can't find any of the things that I love. She like kind of kicks herself in the butt and she's like, no, (laughs) everyone else is depending on me and my baby is depending on me. And then suddenly that kind of kicks her (laughs) self back into fighting She talks about how she still can't see anything, but she can feel something. She's imagining holding Renesmee in her arms and how warm she was. And she's proud of herself. She goes, I did that. I had been strong enough. I survived Renesmee. And I held on to her until she was strong enough to go on without me. And just kind of that realization that she is as strong as she thought she was is enough for her to keep going. Okay, No, I totally agree with you on that. But I just had a thought because in the next paragraph, she talks about how there's like a spot of heat that she's kind of feeling, which turns out to be the venom that Edward had just um, injected into her. Do you think that she felt that surge of, uh, nope, I got to keep holding on for Renesmee before or after the venom? You think she felt it before and she and that made her strong enough that the venom worked? Well, because... Right up to this point, Jacob had been doing CPR. Yeah. Right. That had been keeping her alive. And he is as warm as Renesmee. So I feel like the touch of him on her chest reminded her or, of that feeling and then followed. I think it's probably Because then both. Edward pushes his hand aside and does the, does the venom. Yeah. Cool. Oh, that's really sweet. <laughs> I know yeah. you don't like Jacob, but I think that's really sweet that like the feel of warmth from him and then the warmth from the venom and all of that kept her going. Yeah. Then Bella finally starts to feel a thing (laughs) and she's like, it's where my heart should be. And um, she's like, as long as I can just remember the warmth of Renesmee, I'm going to be able to do this. And then she's like, okay, I'm feeling it stronger. Maybe I'm doing better because I'm like actually being able to like feel this and it's just getting hotter (laughs) and it's getting hotter and it's so real. And how am I imagining this? It's even hotter now and it's getting uncomfortable and now it is too hot and now it is much too hot. And she calls it like 
when you accidentally grab your curling iron on the barrel while it's super hot and you want to drop it, but she can't drop it. There's nothing she's holding on to. It is inside of her. This is when the burning begins and it gets hotter and hotter and hotter until it is more pain than anything she has ever felt. And um, <laughs> she's like, can the blackness come back? Yeah, <laughs> I miss it. <laughs> She's like, I definitely know where my heart is now, and I really wish that I didn't. I should have just embraced the blackness when I had the chance. Uh, She wants to simply rip her chest open and get her heart out of her, but she doesn't know where her arms are. She's like, remember that time when James crunched my leg? That was easy. That was like taking a nap. And also remember that time when Renesmee was breaking all my ribs. That was just a swim in the water. Like, please. And it's getting so much now that Bella really wants to scream and scream and scream. Uh, but she can't move her lips and she still feels like that weight is on her body. But she realizes it's not just the darkness anymore. Her actual body feels too heavy to lift. Uh, She talks about the flames and how they're moving out from her heart now, spreading with impossible pain. Um, It's entering her shoulders and her stomach and her throat. And now Bella's like, why can I not move? Why can I not scream? No one has told me about this before. No one else has experienced this before. Do you see my brain going again? I'm like, I can't, I just can't wrap my mind around the fact that it's only the morphine. It's got to be something about Bella too. In fact, I find it hard to believe that it's the morphine at all because they tried morphine on Emmett and it didn't work. And then they make an excuse about it. But my brain can't can't agree that it's morphine. Like I want to I literally want to be like, Stephanie, I just have one more question. Yeah. <laughs> I know it's not very important, but I just want to know. Well, no, because no human made thing does anything against a vampire. So why would any human made medicine do anything for vampire venom you know i do know exactly that's how i feel i'm like there's no way like it burned away immediately maybe added to the flame a little yeah well and yeah maybe but it would have been so fast that it wouldn't have made a difference and i just can't like i can't make my mind believe that it was the morphine pretty much at all yeah this is when bella decides to associate the morphine with what she's feeling yeah she's convinced that's the only thing that is different about what she's going through physically than the other people is Mm -hmm. she did have a ton of morphine in her system before she changed so she's like that's the only difference therefore that is the reason this is happening Mm -hmm. and like a lot of things in the book characters are not uh all-knowing exactly so they guess about things like when edward assumed that the bruises on bella were from him (laughs) he used the knowledge that he hadn't made a choice and so people want to believe well edward said it therefore it is true however we know that these characters are people right (laughs) reading a book and believing that everything this character experiences is reality is kind of short-sighted because they're just a human, just like we are. They don't know. She's just guessing. Mm-hmm. She doesn't know. And I think if she was more able to think about it, and I think that in the future, and this is just my like Marin canon, is that when she and Carlisle in the future are able to sit down and talk about this, and she finally does tell them that it was awful and what she experienced, they might 
be able to figure something else out. And I mean, they might still think that it was the morphine, but I never will. Well, at the very least, there are other vampires that have shield powers. Mm -hmm. So maybe Bella will search them out and ask them about their experience and see if that is a similarity. Yeah. Totally. So now she's remembering back to a conversation that she had with Edward and Carlisle in which the two of them had hoped that if they put enough painkillers in Bella, it would help to fight the pain of the venom. That's really sweet. Yes. Because they're like, <laughs> okay, let's try whatever. Yeah. Let's no, try I, anything. I totally agree with them. Yeah. We learned that Carlisle tried with Emmett, but that the venom had burned ahead of the medicine. Uh, sealing his veins so it couldn't absorb into his body and there had been no time for it to spread. And now Bella's like, wow, I sure am glad Edward cannot read my mind right now because (laughs) he would be face down in the ground (laughs) for a long time. (laughs) And then Bella like kind of makes your point and she's like, I've had morphine and venom in my body all at the same time. And And it didn't didn't do anything. Nope. Uh, the medicine was completely irrelevant while the venom seared through my veins. But she wasn't about to say that. <laughs> <laughs> but she's like, I didn't think that it would do this. It would like pin me down and make me unable to talk. Hmm. So it's something to think about for sure. I'll never stop. <laughs> <laughs> she thinks through all the other stories that she's heard about how Carlisle had to spend his time with the potatoes <laughs> and how Rosalie said that screaming doesn't help. <laughs> And she's like, maybe I can be like Carlisle. And maybe I can believe that what Rosalie said was true. And also, if I started screaming, every single one of those screams would stay with Edward forever. Uh, Yeah, poor guy. She's like, this is terrible, but I am getting my wish fulfilled. (laughs) But all she wants to do is die. This is so painful. She is like, everything I've ever experienced has no dent on the amount of pain that I'm feeling and all she wants to do is for it to end. And then for a long time, she is just burning. She is enduring this pain. She can't do anything about it. Uh, She's not aware of time. She's not aware of anything. She just knows that everything hurts. One infinite moment of pain, she says. And then, unfortunately for Bella, her spine... (laughs) fixes itself and suddenly the lower half of her body is also on fire really awful really bad yeah (laughs) we get a cut in the text and we cut to bella's telling us that she still has no idea how fast time is going or how long it has been going for her Uh, but eventually time does start to mean something to her again and she says that there are three things that happened all at the same time for her um yes (laughs) first i knew edward was a vampire (laughs) not Um, this again (laughs) Uh, time restarts the morphine's weight fades and she gets stronger the uh, shield's weight faded she becomes better at controlling her shield Yep, absolutely. She can uh, move her fingers and her toes. And she's like, this is good, but I'm not going to do it because if (laughs) I move even a tiny bit, I'm just going to start thrashing around. And I don't want to do that. She says that while the pain didn't decrease at all, she says that she begins to develop a new capacity for experiencing it, which is kind of her like vampire mind expanding. And she can now think about things other than the pain. And she can remember why she doesn't want to be screaming. She remembers the reason why she is doing this. And she remembers the things that will be be there for her beyond this and after all of this is over she's happy that she has this knowledge with her now because suddenly 
she doesn't feel heavy in her body anymore. So her body is becoming stronger finally. And she says that from someone observing her, they wouldn't notice any change because she still remains motionless. But for her, she now has to consciously Mm. keep a hold of herself to make herself stay still. Yeah, I like how she says it. She's like, it felt like I'd gone from being tied to the stake as I burned to gripping that stake to hold myself in the fire. It's so metal. (laughs) I love it. Uh, So she lays there, she doesn't move, and her hearing starts to come back to her and get clearer. And she can now count the beats of her heart to mark the time. (laughs) And she can also count her breaths. She can also tell that there's someone sitting next to her who is breathing, and they're breathing a lot more steadily than she is. So she counts those breaths to keep track of time. As time goes on, her thoughts get clearer, and she can listen to more things now. Um, like footsteps through the house, the air moving, um, people checking her pulse. Um, she cannot feel the coolness of the fingers. She says it's because the fire blistered every memory of cool. Um, but really it's because she is the same temperature now. So nothing feels cold to her. So excited. <laughs> yes. Uh, so this is Edward sitting next to her and Carlisle coming to check on her. And Carlisle asks Edward if she has changed at all. Edward says no. Carlisle kind of probably checks her pulse again. Um, He sniffs her and says that there's no morphine left. And Edward goes, yes, I know. Carlisle asks Bella if if she can hear him. And she's like, I know if I open my mouth, I'm just going to scream. And if I open my eyes, I would lose control of my body. So she opts to stay still and quiet, even though she can now hear these people you know, asking her to open her eyes or squeeze their hand back. She's so stubborn. Mm-hmm. But she's like, <laughs> no, nope. I will not. <laughs> and then Edward's like, Carlisle, maybe I was too late. And uh. Bella's like, oh, no, should I let him know I'm OK? But Carlisle saves the day for Bella. And he's like, no, listen to her heart. It's stronger than even Emmett's was. Um, she'll be perfect. And Bella's like, okay, good. Carlisle's there for Edward. He doesn't need me. And then Edward asks about her spine. And it, that's a very interesting question to me. Because... I agree. He should know that it's <laughs> going to heal itself. But Obviously. Maybe he just thinks it was too... I mean, he, he knows it was like a complete snap. <laughs> mm-hmm. Complete fissure down the middle. I don't know. It would be interesting if she didn't get that fixed a little paralyzed vampire yeah she's really mad but she can't move yeah (laughs) it's a weird question for him but he's he's still worried about her as a human maybe because her heart is still beating yeah so that's true carlisle reassures him that esme's injuries were almost as bad as bella's were um but esme got killed and so will Bella. And then Edward's like, but why isn't she moving? I must have done something wrong. And Carlisle's like, or maybe we did something right. Like, we all did everything we could and everything we thought was right. Oh, and then listen to what Carlisle says to Edward. Three words. Stop berating yourself. <laughs> mm-hmm. Please. Edward's like, she must be in agony. And Carlisle's like, well, we don't know that. We have no idea what's happening. <laughs> And then Edward goes to Bella and he's like, Bella, I'm so sorry. I love you. Oh, no. And she really wants to say, I love you too. But she's like, nope, not yet. <laughs> Here is the fire still burning me. But now she has room in her brain to like think about their conversation and to think about what's going to happen and to worry. 
no. She's like, where's my baby? Why isn't she here? Why is no one talking about her? And then Edward's like, I'm going to stay right here. They'll sort it out because something's happening in the house. And Carlisle's like, interesting situation. <laughs> I thought I'd seen just about everything. And I Edward's don't. like, I will deal with it later. <laughs> Poor Edward. Imagine he's wanting to just throw up right now. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's like, not only do I have to just sit here and stare at Bella not doing anything, I have to listen to Jacob be like, oh my gosh, Vanessa, we're going to be together forever. (laughs) All this dumb shit happening downstairs. Bella Schmella. Gross, gross. Yeah, it's really gross. And then Carlisle's like, I wonder what Bella's going to think about it. And Edward's like, <laughs> me too. Carlisle leaves. Bella's certain they're doing this just to ign- uh, to annoy her. Ah, uh, there she is. <laughs> There's our girl. <laughs> and so she just goes back to counting Edward's breathing and 10,943 breaths later, new footsteps come to visit her. And these ones are very rhythmic. <laughs> and she's like, weird. I didn't. Since when have I been able to tell people's footsteps? Alice just like pirouettes, leaps, um, uh, pot de beret turns. It's like in. a tap dance down the hall. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Um, That's how you can tell it's Alice. Bella. Yes. <laughs> Edward asks Alice how much longer, and Alice says, "Not long now." See how clear she's becoming. I can see her so much better. And Edward asks her if. She is still feeling bitter and she's like, thank you so much for bringing it up. And she tells him that she sees vampires best because she is one. She sees humans all right because she was one. But these dang half breeds are all nothing I've never experienced. Alice. Alice Marie Colin. (laughs) Stop it. (laughs) Do not call them half breeds anymore. She's referring to Renesmee, isn't she? Renesmee and Jacob, I think. Yeah. Stop it. Anyone who's not a human or a vampire. (laughs) But Edward's like, please, Alice. And she's like, oh, yeah, I see Bella like perfectly clear. She's fine. He's like, really? She's like, yes. And he's like, you weren't so sure a couple days ago. And she's like, well, that's because I couldn't see anything. Um, But now that she doesn't have a baby inside her, it's easy. And Edward's like, please give me a time (laughs) on the clock. And she's like, fine, hold on. She thinks it to him and he's like, thanks, Alice. And Bella's like, why is no one going to tell me what time it is or what time it's going to be done? I think she's right, though. I mean, you got to talk to your friend who's in a coma. Yeah. In case, just in case. Mm -hmm. You never know. You really don't. (laughs) Alice then tells Edward that she's going to be dazzling. And he says that she always has been. Mm -hmm. And Alice is like, you know what I mean? Look at her. Edward doesn't say anything. But Bella's (laughs) like, maybe I'm not just a charred pile of bones here. (laughs) (laughs) So Alice leaves. She hears her fabric swishing and she can hear the buzz of the light and she hears the wind outside. And actually, she can hear everything. Someone downstairs is watching a ball game, um, but it's annoying. So she doesn't keep listening to that. Um, Rosalie needs a turn from Emmett from something that Bella doesn't understand, which is holding the baby. Oh, I thought she needed a turn watching the TV. Oh, <laughs> nah, I definitely think that Emmett stole Renesmee to like throw her around and He's stuff. He's like playing with her. Yeah. My turn. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she doesn't want to listen to baseball, so she goes back to counting Edward's breaths again. <laughs> I'm glad to see she's still just as weird as she always was. Mm -hmm. 21,917 and a half seconds later, her pain changes. Oh, no. Um, She can no longer feel it in her fingertips or her toes. And she's like, well, this is better than the same old, same old. So 
something different has to be good, right? <laughs> and then she goes, but hold on. <laughs> now the fire in my throat is different. It's not only on fire now. Now it feels parched and dry and I feel thirsty. Whoops. And also bad news. My heart is getting even hotter. <laughs> how her heart is beating very fast and now kicks into like a very very fast pace and edward's like carlisle (laughs) but inside's bella body all of the venom has worked its way all the way out and now it is working its way back in so everything's moving back (laughs) towards her heart carlisle comes in alice also comes in edward's like listen to her and (laughs) Carlisle's like, oh, good. It's almost over. (laughs) And she's like, oh, that's great. But also this still sucks. Alice is like, it's going to be soon. I'll go get everyone else. Rosalie. And Edward's like, tell her to stay with the baby. And Bella's like, what? No, stop keeping my baby away from me. And her fingers twitched. And everyone goes really quiet. And they just (laughs) stare at her. Edward grabs her hand. And he's like, Bella. And she's like, can I talk yet? I don't think so. (laughs) Don't do it. Uh, Alice goes to get everyone else. And then her heart took off beating like a helicopter until it sounded just like one heartbeat. She says that the pain now was just in the center of her chest and it was pain enough to stun her. Her back arches. And then she's like, nope, no more moving. We got one back arch. That's it. (laughs) She says that it became a battle inside me. My sprinting heart racing against the attacking fire. Both were losing. So it's now just in her heart. Her heart, after being such a beat, stutters twice, beats one more time, and then there was no more heartbeat. Imagine Edward Cullen at this. He's like, I'm going to remember this forever. (laughs) He's going to write a song with that rhythm. (laughs) Oh my gosh. (laughs) I think there is a song with that rhythm on the Eclipse soundtrack. (laughs) (laughs) You're probably right. Uh, There was no sound, no breathing, not even mine. For a moment, the absence of pain was all I could comprehend. And then I opened my eyes and gazed above me in wonder. (gasps) Fun. Oh my gosh. So exciting. (laughs) That was a long chapter it was long but we had a lot of things to talk about we did we're, we're just getting while. back into the groove <laughs> okay okay i know you guys like a, an hour-long episode or more so yeah it's fine i'm very excited very excited for the next chapter all right everybody thank you for listening this is very exciting i can't wait to get to the next chapter and see our lovely bella be super weird and funny <laughs> it was a wild chapter and it just gets funner from here on out (laughs) next chapter so funny so So funny funny. the funniest do you think edward cullen is funny no you don't even know anything yet (laughs) you really don't um thank you guys for listening we'll see you next week Mm -hmm. and remember if there's a baseball game happening just count breaths instead (laughs) i agree with that and i love you guys bye bye (laughs) did i end that Love you guys. Bye. That's right. Okay. (laughs) You've been remembering Twilight with Marin and Emily. You can stay in touch on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Remember Twilight Podcast. Please consider joining us on Patreon for a weekly bonus episode, access to our notes, original artwork, and to connect with our awesome community. You can message us at RememberTwilightPodcast at gmail.com. Send us a voice message on Anchor or leave a review on iTunes. 
Check out the show notes for all this information and more. Thank you to Stephanie Meyer for sharing her dream and making ours come true.